0: Hello and welcome to the Wild Film Hub podcast. I'm your host, Karina Thomas. In today's episode, we'll be picking up with the wonderful Faith Mazumbi and we're going to do a deep dive into some of the numbers and statistics around diversity and inclusion within our industry. Now, while this is a standalone episode, if you do want to hear a little bit more about Faith's journey, please do go back and listen to episode five. Now let's jump in and look at the numbers and statistics around diversity and inclusion within our industry. These statistics come from Creative Diversity, so it's a UK-based organisation, and so all the ones that will follow will be just UK statistics. What they found, and these studies are from 2020 because it takes a little bit of time for them to disseminate the information, Mm -hmm. is that in the UK... While black and ethnic minority people make up 13% of the national workforce, in TV production, when you look into factual, those percentages drop down dramatically. When you look at off-screen roles, we're only 8.8% of anyone working off-screen. And it's quite interesting that on-screen, diversity tends to be better represented than it is behind yeah. so it's like it's almost like a facade of the you know oh look at this really diverse production but actually if you turn the camera the other way it isn't at all no. on all levels mm-hmm. um and then the stat that really shocked me um as someone as a woman as a black woman who's just stepped into their first producer role mm-hmm. is that just
1: one percent of producers in factual t v are black that's it one percent wow that is you say it, and I hear it, and i'm thinking, how's this even possible and that is for factual they didn't have any statistics for natural
0: history, but as you will have seen since <laughs> since <laughs> having been in Bristol, where the majority of the u k s natural history output is from, I think the statistics here are even more skewed. At every level, there is a gulf, a huge ocean of lack of diverse people in every single role, from mm-hmm. um, production to editorial to edit staff yeah. to technical staff. And yeah, if you think that the the country UK wide, in fact,ual we're getting one percent of producers as black, I descent and think how little that would be in natural history.
1: Yeah, it's. It it would have to be 0.000. 000. I mean, it's just mind boggling. And it really speaks to um like you
0: were saying, so if you just take your background for an example, like you grew up in Kenya, like mm-hmm. you lived in South Africa, you will have a completely different outlook and experience of living there, of the wildlife, of the stories you can tell, you'll have a completely different connection with the people that are there, that are the backbone of what we do, from the scientists to the rangers to the local communities who we are going to there country to their places to their homes and filming these stories and we intrinsically rely on their knowledge to film the stories we do often without mm-hmm. crediting them in the way that they yeah. deserve to be mm-hmm. and if you actually just take a minute and think why is diversity important it's important so we can tell better stories like be more true to the places to the people like understand the wildlife there and its meaning better, and those are all really positive things to bring to an international audience.
1: Completely, um, and I didn't realize how it's one of those things you take for granted. I found there's an access that I have as a local, yeah, that I bring to the table, which I didn't realize mm-hmm. is is actually quite valuable mm-hmm. because I'm I I can understand the the nuances, a way to bring both worlds together Mm because it doesn't have to be a transactional relationship where they rock up and state their demands and then exchange money and then that's the end of it and then
0: they leave yeah and that's a big part of it too isn't it Mm -hmm. what is our impact locally
1: yeah, You know,
0: and especially when you're getting crews that aren't invested in a place. Mm-hmm. And that investment can come from a lot of different places. But yeah. it's certainly going to be a huge factor if it's a place that you're from, that you've lived, that, mm-hmm. where you know people.
1: Yeah. And one of my favorite things about working on Queens, actually, um, is the episode I field directed on was um, we were filming in Amboseli. And the researchers that we're working with, they essentially tell me they're from a nearby town. And my mom grew up near Amboseli from the same town that they're telling me that they're from. Uh. So I'm like, huh, okay. So I call my mom and I'm like, hey, mom, I'm working with Nora Jireini and Katito Sayelal. Do you know them? And it turns out that one of her older sisters went to school with Nora and then... One of her younger sisters went to school with, Katito. What? And then immediately, I'm family to them. Yeah, yeah. And I was able to have this access where when when in the field and I need information. I would just send them a WhatsApp. So they also took a huge sense of pride because they'd never worked with the Kenyan director. And they've worked with so many crews because yeah. of what they do. Yeah. And they couldn't stop telling me, we're so proud of you. Oh. Like, you're the first one and we hope many more will come will come after you but that's the power of working with 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 local crews because now now I'm charged it's not enough for me to be oh yeah I'm the first one and the only one now they've literally told me we look forward to work (laughs) with the ones that are coming after you so now I feel like charged with this responsibility to make sure that others are coming up and if more people are like me, it's going to filter to these communities that live with these animals Mm -hmm. and you'll find people are engaging in conservation in different ways.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I think that leads us really nicely into the fact that You have now just been a part of the first Wild Screen Nairobi. So Wild Screen being um, this big natural history film festival, but more than that, it has panels, awards shows, talks, um, a lot of opportunity for funding investors, um, ideas and development. And for the first time ever, they've done one. In Kenya, which was in Nairobi, and you were a big part of that. Like, yeah. was that how was it? And does it make you feel like opening those doors to more Kenyan filmmakers, more African filmmakers, is is happening in a in a in a real way?
1: Yeah, yeah, I love the fact that you use the word real because the way we move forward needs to be realistic and optimistic, obviously, and sustainable. But that whole thing of me feeling. That I've been charged. I feel this responsibility to pay it forward. Yeah. Because when we're chatting about this landscape that's natural history, mm-hmm. I mean, there's some things we need to um, admit. And that's um, our world is changing. Yeah. We can't keep telling stories the way we have um, for many reasons. But we're not saying like we need to change how things are done. We're just saying there's this whole raft of people that have been underrepresented. And the natural world thrives on diversity. Um, In natural history, we need as many voices rising up because we need different stories being told. But I think there'll always be a need and a desire for blue chip. That's not going anywhere. But there's an opportunity for different types of storytelling. And I, I, I think that's what was so amazing about Wild Screen Nairobi. It was them saying what can stories born and bred in Kenya, what can they look like?
0: Mm-hmm. And I suppose one of the big things in that is if you're a Kenyan storyteller, mm-hmm. you're also gonna have a huge Kenyan network of family, friends, colleagues yeah. who are gonna be interested in watching your content, in mm-hmm. watching your films. And it's been a topic that a lot of people have talked about. I know it came up at World Screen it's like how do we show films where they're made how do we get people interested in what we're creating Mm -hmm. in the spaces we're creating it and a big part of that will be making sure that some of the voices who are sitting behind the camera who are in the production team in the editorial team who are at all levels of production are not only British but international, from different places, from those countries themselves.
1: Yeah. No, completely. Um, And that's the thing. Um, Through working on these different productions, I've been able to travel all over Kenya because even though I'm Kenyan, like we all belong to different tribes. Mm -hmm. And so I've been able to go and film and immerse myself in tribes that aren't my own. And when you do that, you realise... Lots of these tribes, they've been um, conserving, you know, um, but in different ways. Yeah. Because we have this model of conservation that's been rolled out the world over. Yeah. And it's because of our different ecosystems, it's never going to be a one size fits all. No. I, I remember having this conversation with this old man from the Samburu tribe. in In hearing him talk about some of the complexities that come with conservation. Yeah. Because he's like, look, we've always conserved. But then we had people come in, they started hunting, and this was when hunting was still legal in Kenya when we were um, colonized. And lots of animals were killed. And and we spoke out about how there wasn't a balance with how the animals were being killed because these tribes have always maintained a balance. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, the wildlife is was, mm-hmm. was and <laughs> oftentimes was fine until yeah. the Europeans got that. It was
1: <laughs> it was fine, yeah. And and so these are some of the the points. I'm gonna say points of pain because yeah. they flagged it. And I mean, this man was speaking with tears in his eyes, where he was saying, "My grandfather, this this area was littered with rhinos. Now Samburu doesn't have um rhinos, but he was saying the the volume at which they were killed was a lot." And we flagged it and we were told, no, no, it's going to be fine. And so what he said to me that I remember having to sit and like let it percolate, he was like, look, um, now the same people come back and tell us, this is how we, we're going to teach you how to conserve. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's like, it's, it's a bit difficult for us to work with that. Yeah. Because we've done it, we used to do it our own way and all these things, um were brought in. So all that to say, I'm not saying like, oh conservation is terrible, no. Europeans are terrible, but saying it's complex and we need more locals yeah. exploring that complexity. Yes. Yeah.
0: And that's the whole point, isn't it? It's a host of voices, inclusive and really, like, not just listening, but hearing yes. local communities driven by by and with local people. And mm-hmm. that's what's going to lead to better wildlife conservation.
1: Exactly. Because it's we're not going to have one solution to solve the pickle that the world finds itself in. But what we need is, if all of us just handled what we could, where we are, with what we have, I mean, it would... I think it would make a marked difference. A huge difference. And was that feeling really felt
0: throughout the festival at Wild Screen Nairobi? Was that something, did it feel hopeful? Did it feel like there were changes happening?
1: Absolutely. Wild Screen Nairobi, it was for the first time we could see a future where this world includes us. Because up until this point, it's always been... Like, we have to figure out, like, how does this machinery includes us? And then Wildscreen Nairobi just pulled back the veil and showed, actually, it is possible to do, to include um, you guys, because not everybody wants to, to work on the landmarks. Not everybody wants to work on on some of these, like, international crews. Some, some locals just love the natural world with this deep and abiding passion. And they've never known what to do about it. Yeah. But then when you've got like these heavy hitters, production companies saying, no, we can work together. We can figure out like how to activate you and work with, with the local production companies, there's hope. Yeah. Then you know, actually, I don't need to wait for the BBC to send a crew to Kenya. I can totally do this in Kenya, um, get funded, get all these things off the ground, tell my own stories for my own people. Um, and man, that's like it's powerful. It, it's really powerful because then we're writing the stories now. We're yeah, we're writing the the narrative. But it goes back full circle to what you said
0: about at the beginning about representation. You never saw anyone like you working in this role, and that's why representation matters. Like now, the next generation will get to see Kenyan filmmakers creating natural history at all levels and that's what
1: inspires people that's why representation matters yeah and honestly that's what fuels me is because there's so many things that don't come naturally to me um like being in front of cameras speaking in front of people but being on this journey has forced me to to step up to be that person that someone who's looking for inspiration will see. And when I was in Jackson Wild, one of the canyon women came up to me, and she was a bit starstruck, which was very funny to me because wow. I'm I'm the most awkward person you're ever gonna meet. <laughs> you know, I'm not someone to starstruck anyone. I don't know what's the problem. <laughs> I don't starstrike anyone. <laughs> I don't strike people with stars. <laughs> but but what she said really moved me and she she essentially said look i've loved natural history filmmaking i'm a photographer but i never knew that this could be a thing until i saw you doing your thing and she was like i heard you speak and it lit a fire within me And I realised I can actually pursue this. At that moment, like, collect her in a hug and go, like, yes! (laughs) That That must
0: have been been amazing. It
1: was... (laughs) Yeah, I was like, don't cry. Don't don't make this awkward.
0: (laughs) Don't make this awkward. Definitely. And I always say, a lot of people have asked me why I do this podcast... And one thing I always say, and I really think it's true, is if, if this changes one person's life, if they hear this and realise they can do it, then my job's done. And
1: you know that you've already done that. Yeah. So like, so my job, I should just <laughs> retire. <laughs> I should cash out. <laughs> but it, it it is, it's why I'm so excited, actually, for people to watch my episode of Queens. Because the representation that's packed in there, I know it's just going to... Set people on fire. My ambition is that more people—not just women, not yeah. just Africa—we know there's so many underrepresented filmmakers all over the world that they'll catch the flame. Yeah, and realize if these people are doing it in their areas, um, how much more can I be involved in in what's happening within, like my area, my country? Definitely.
0: Oh, I love that. Oh, I was going to ask you one last question and I've just forgot it because I got so swept away by you talking. Uh, what was I going to say then? This is it. Tell us
1: a little bit about the Queen's production. It's one of those things where I think the beauty of the series is really just the spirit behind it. Um, our ultimate goal is to grow and develop and nurture talent that wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity. We haven't figured it out, but we're moving. And I'll always always treasure that.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me. Thank you so much
1: for the opportunity and um, giving a platform to these stories.
0: I wanted to highlight some brilliant resources. They're out there for any freelancers that have found themselves out of work. It's a really slow time, industry-wide, and a lot of our friends and colleagues are looking for work. So ScreenSkills have a number of career growth courses, some of which can be fully subsidised, so head on over to their website and see what's available. And the film and TV charity can offer financial and personal support. They've got lots of resources, but also a 24-7 support line. And for What to Watch, Queen's will be out on the 4th of March, 2024 on National Geographic.